You know, we're talking about discouragement. I just, I, I don't even want to do an icebreaker today because this subject is so huge for people. There are so many people that fight discouragement. And yet, you know, I believe that if, if they hear the word of God and they hear what, what God's promises are to us and they apply them, we don't have to live in discouragement. And I, I know one thing we were talking about as we were getting ready to, um, to do this podcast. Sometimes things can happen with us and discouragement tries to come against us, but in reality, it's actually God positioning us to be effective in building his kingdom. And I think something like that just happened with you. Yes, it, it did definitely happen. Okay, so as you all know, John and I travel a lot, and I happened to land in a foreign country. When I got off the plane, I asked them about where my gate of departure was going to be and what time it would be leaving, and they told me that it was leaving at, at it'd be boarding at 10:24 p.m. And I even said to them, "Wasn't it supposed to be 8:24?" And they said, "No." I said, "So that's a really long layover." And they said, "Yeah." And I said, "Is there a lounge?" And they said, "Yes, but it closes at 9:45." So John, as you know, I call you. I sit in the lounge till 9.45. I walk to my gate at 10 o'clock. It's not, I thought it was early. I thought it's not even boarding for 24 more minutes. It was like a ghost town. It was huh? a ghost town. I, I know. I couldn't even find the city that I was leaving for on listing anymore. And I began to panic. I went up to the gate and I said, where's, where's this flight? And they said, oh, that left an hour ago. I called you frantic. You were freaking out. I was freaking out. And I was just getting ready to go to bed and I thought, I can't go to bed. No. I got to see her safely through this. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I have stepped into my greatest nightmare because I have a reoccurring nightmare that I am in a foreign country and that I go to the wrong counter and my flight's already left or I'm at the wrong terminal or something like that. And it was happening. And I was like, John, I've just stepped into my nightmare. And then I had looked back at my boarding pass and I realized it was military time. And if I had just looked at it again, so it said 2024, is that what it was? So 2020, which, which that's 824, but it sounds like 1024, it, it especially did, when the lady. But the zero was there, but anyway, no. I And so I felt like the biggest idiot. And, and I, I apologize to you. I apologize to the people. Thank God I wasn't speaking until Friday night, and I was going to be arriving on Thursday morning, so I had enough time. But, John, I went to bed that night so discouraged. I thought, how did this happen? I've been traveling for years. How did I do this? I am the biggest loser. I can't believe I did this. And now I've got to stay in the night in another city. Well, you, and yeah, we, it's a developing nation you were in. And yes. we had to get you not in speak English. to a hotel that would be safe. <laughs> and I'm sitting, I'm, I yes. was kind of freaking out. This yes. is my wife. We were all freaking She's out. She's stuck in this country. Yes. Waking up assistance and everything. So anyway, I I, I wake up the next morning and they had told me, well, listen, you know, I think they were kind of like, lady, you're so stupid. We're not putting you in business class anymore. We know you had a business class ticket, but you're going back into coach. And so they had given me a seat in the back. And at the point, first one, they gave me the board pass. I didn't care because I really felt like, you know what? I'm just thrilled to be on the plane and getting where I need to go after missing my flight. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, ask them. If there is an opening in business, you paid for a business class ticket, ask them. So I, I asked them and sure enough, they moved me to 1A and John, it ended up being this divine appointment. Tell me, I I'm ended so, up I'm sitting so next this. to the ambassador of the country I was headed to. He, I didn't know he was an ambassador. He said, what's, what's bringing you to my country? And I said, well, I'm going to go speak to the women. And he looked at me and he began to tear up and he said, I am so thankful that you are coming to speak to the women 
because the women of my country are possibly the most resilient women on the face of the earth. Then he began to unpack the history of this nation, how when this nation was invaded by foreigners, the men cowered in the jungle and threw their women to the invaders at to, you know, and just said, we, we don't want you to kill us, but go ahead and just take our women, do whatever you want with our women. And how their history had been so broken when it came to the women, but the women had been able to stay strong and been able to flourish. But there was a time that only 200 men were alive in this nation. And uh, so he began to unpack with me this story and then tell me why. 200 men because of war? Yeah, because of war. They killed them all. And then this man began to unpack to me why it was important to him personally that I came to his nation, began to share some details about something his daughter was going through, which I can, I'm now not at liberty. this is the ambassador to the United Nations for that the, nation. The United States, yes. To the United States. From this nation. That's amazing. That I sat next to him. He kept saying, do you understand I wasn't supposed to be on this flight? I said, do you understand I wasn't supposed to be on this flight? He said, do you understand that God put you here? And I said, I do understand that. And while I was in that nation, he and his daughter came and visited me. I got to pray with them. I got to pray over their nation, share with them. And you know what, John? I have been able to connect him in Washington, D.C. to some dear friends of ours so that his family is going to plant and heal and flourish while they're in the United States and then take their strength back to their nation. That's so amazing. And, and, and you, you, I don't know if you remember this, but you told me on the phone, he was so excited Yes. about being next to a woman of God on the plane, yes. that he was introducing you to all the other dignitaries. He, did. he, stood, he walked me, and I look like a street person. I had been like traveling for 40 hours in the same clothes. My hair was completely frizzed out. I had barely no makeup on. And he was like, this is, this is a woman coming for God to our nation. It was crazy. And Lisa, you spoke to 8,000 women, right? I spoke to 12,000 12,000 women, yeah. women and, t- and they came from all over mm-hmm. uh, the, the continent. And tell me how those meetings went. They were phenomenal. I felt like... Uh, uh, I felt like God showed me, you know, things prophetically for that nation. And I feel like the enemy had just come in. I mean, again, we, it's what we talked about last podcast. The enemy will come in with an onslaught of discouragement right before God wants to shift or shape something prophetically for an individual, for a nation, for a culture. And, you know, right now, John, I think there's a lot of people in our nation discouraged. They're looking at different things that are happening in elections, different things in the government, different things that are rulings and... And uh, they're, they're feeling really discouraged. And what would you say to them? Well, you know, what I would say to them is that your hope has to be in God. But can, can, can I just backtrack a little bit here? Because I you feel like we've missed, you want, we've you're missed my something huge here. Yes. All right, Lisa, Help let's me. say that you carried that discouragement on the plane. You walked on that plane discouraged. And you just sat there and thought, I don't want to talk to the person next to me. I'm so frustrated. I'm traveling 40 hours now, all because of, you know, I mean. My st- stupidity. Okay, you said it, not me. I because of my stupidity. Um, but if you would have done that, Lisa, you would have missed a divine appointment. And this here's an ambassador to the United States from that nation. And the, they drive to your hotel, because you yeah. told me this. He, yep. They drove mm-hmm. just so you could pray with him. Just his, to spend a half an hour with me. With, yeah. and, and, and his, his daughter. daughter. Mm-hmm. All that would have and been missed. And he's been emailing me back and forth ever since ever I've since. been home. Okay, so all this would have been missed if you walked on that plane allowing discouragement to take control in your life. So here's the situation, folks. You may have a situation that happened. You may think your stupidity caused it. You may think somebody who doesn't like you caused it. Let me, let me, let me tell you something, and I want you to listen carefully to what I'm about to say. If you go, I just tra- I just traveled through the book of Acts here just recently. But if you go to the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, something absolutely amazing happens. Paul, the apostle, 
is like on this m- journey to tell people about Jesus. And they've already been to several places, and they try to go to one part of Asia, and the Holy Spirit forbids them to go. So then they try to go to another part of Asia, and the Holy Spirit forbids them to go. Then Paul goes to bed and has a vivid dream of a man from Macedonia, and that man is saying, please come over and help us. Paul and his traveling group, you read in the next verse, we concluded that God had called us to go to Macedonia. So they go to Macedonia. Can you imagine the excitement? Okay. They get there to Macedonia and what happens? A riot. All these Jews come from another city. They get thrown in jail and they are now in jail, put in stocks. What a time to be discouraged. I thought I heard from God. I thought we were supposed to go to Macedonia. I was expecting this great, great crusade with you know, 20,000 people attending and the whole city getting saved, like what happened in some of the other places I was at. But he's thrown in jail. And you know what he and Silas did? They started praising God. It was midnight, the Bible said, when it was in their darkest hour of their soul, they started praising God. That's what we have to do. We have to praise God. What do you do when you praise God? You're saying, God, you're bigger than my circumstances. You're bigger than this adversity I'm going through. And what happens? An earthquake happens, they get free, and then they have a tremendous time of ministry. And so, you know, it may not be you missing your flight. It may be something you really believe and truly God did tell you to do, but all of a sudden you met up with discouragement. Lisa, I remember when we moved here to Colorado Springs yeah. 17 years ago. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Everything after, went wrong everything. as soon as we moved here. Oh my gosh. We, 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 we couldn't find a house. We had to live in, in, in a church for three weeks with our four kids. I finally called you. I remember one day and I said, what in the world are we doing here? Yet we both knew God spoke to us. And you talk about the opportunity to get discouraged, but we just kept encouraging ourselves in the Lord. And that is what we need to do. Yeah. You know, John, I'm reading because I'm just captivated by that you had this this example of, you know, Paul. And, and they didn't just um, sing. It said they sang robustly. And that everybody <laughs> wow. was like, what in the world is wow. going on? It wow, says, wow. This is the way the message says in verse 16. It says, along about midnight, which is really that darkest point in people's life, Paul and Silas were at prayer and singing a robust hymn to God. The other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. You know, it is in that moment when it looks like our life is the darkest, when we open our mouth and begin to sing and to pray robustly, not just passively, not just quietly, that God begins to do something. We saw the earthquake happen, and then we know what happened with the jailer. And it says, he led them out of jails and said, sirs, what do I have to do to be saved to really live? They said, put your entire trust in the master Jesus. Then you'll live as you were meant to live, and everyone in your household included. You know, I think that when we totally throw our trust into God, then discouragement has no place. When we totally throw ourselves into God, then we are actually stepping into how we're supposed to truly live, how we were meant to live. And when we have a revelation of that, then our whole household sees it and our whole household steps into salvation. So I love that we can actually worship God when it seems ridiculous, that we can pray robust prayers when they look like they're not being answered. And when we do that, God says he'll, even if he has to, make the earth shake and that earth shake, it didn't just open the doors, it took off their fetters and their chains. 
And uh, maybe some of us need to get rhythm in our lives and begin to dance and sing robust and prayers out loud because some of us are walking around with handcuffs and and, uh, we we don't look good that way. People want to see us that we know how to live, really live. 